you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Good morning and welcome to our gathering. To those who are joining us online, I am so glad that you are with us today. From my heart, my pastor's heart, I want you to know that I love you. And whether we gather here on our campus or gather wherever you might be, we are one church partnering with people to discover in Christ we have hope. Now, last Sunday we started a brand new Bible study called Confused, kind of the world we're living in today, right? How do you find clarity in a world that's gone crazy? So grab your Bible, join me in John chapter 21. We started the story of Peter and how Peter's world got all jacked up crazy in his, in his world. It's kind of a lot like how we're living today. I'm really thankful. Uh, Michael Parati, uh, who is our, our pastor in residence, he, he gave me this illustration, this idea. So this tank is a lot like our minds, right? For the most part, we hope to have clarity of mind. Now, our family and friends might tell us otherwise, but what we want, we want, to, we want to think clearly. But the times in which we're living, right, this crazy pandemic, being sheltered in place, parents, we're not sure what's the school year going to look like. Um, those of us who enjoy sports, we're missing out on everything that's going on in Major League Baseball and college football. Will we have it? Will we not have it? All the political strife and tension and division in our, in our world watching the evening news, it just clouds our mind, and we can't see clearly. This is where we left Peter off last week. So our minds, a lot like Peter, they get confused. And Peter, when he was confused in the day, and he was uncertain about what would happen tomorrow, that's how we are today. Many of us are confused about today, the world circumstances, and we have even greater uncertainty about tomorrow, we begin to reflect back to yesterday. We kind of want to go back to the perceived good old days. That's what Peter did. We found him last week saying to his buddies, hey, I'm going back to fishing again. Luckily, though, he had John on that boat. Fortunate for Peter, when Peter was focused on how his mind had become all cloudy, he had John who took his mindset off of the chaos, off of the confusion, and focused it on Jesus. And so Peter jumps in the water. He swims to the shore. He's on the shore, but he's about to have an awkward conversation with Jesus. Why? Because go back a couple months before Jesus died on the cross. Peter was like bold and courageous. He said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm no matter what comes against, I'm willing to die for you. I'm all in and following after you. And Jesus looked at Peter in the eyes and he said, Pete, you're going to deny me. No, 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 I'll never, I'll never deny you. Yeah, you'll deny me three times. And sure enough, as the events went on and Jesus was arrested, some people began asking Peter, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? Once, twice, three times, Peter denied Jesus. You can imagine Peter in his mind, he's ashamed. 
He's confused. And having a conversation with Jesus is going to feel real awkward. That guilt and shame when you don't show up the way that you wanted to show up. And so now, Jesus is on the shore. He's making breakfast for the disciples. This is after the resurrection. Peter is on the shore, and they're about to have a really awkward conversation. Here, let's jump into the Bible. Notice what it says in verse number 9, John 21 and 9. When they landed, that's all the disciples. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus is making breakfast for the disciples. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. See that little phrase, the burning coals? The burning coals? You can go back and read it for yourself. When the pressure was on Peter and he denied Jesus, he denied Jesus around a fire of burning coals. Why is this detail so important? Do you know that smell is one of the most powerful senses that we have? When I'm driving on Interstate 95, as a young man, 17-year-old young man, I went to Paris Island, South Carolina, United States Marine Corps Recruit Depot. And I experienced a lot of things at Paris Island. And one thing, I, it was the swamp smell. And every time I'm driving on 95, I, at 54, I can be driving on 95. I smell that smell from Paris Island, and my mind is flooded of so many things that I experienced because it's the power of smell. Think about some of um, your grandma's uh, favorite recipes. <laughs> when you smell, it's like, hmm, grandma's cooking, right? On the reverse side is when you've been sick because you ate something and you threw that up and you had that taste and you don't want to ever have that food again. Jesus is in the process right now of restoring Peter. In a world, in a world that wants to reject you, in a world that wants to beat you down, understand this. If you hear nothing else today, God is in the restoration business. Jesus came to Peter. Peter's the one who denied Jesus. But Jesus loves Peter so much, he comes to him. He doesn't want Peter to go through the rest of his life feeling rejected. He doesn't want his mind to be all cloudy. He wants to have clarity of mind, right? And so God comes to Peter. Hear me this morning. Whatever you might have done last night, just know this, that God has not rejected you. God is for you. He comes to you. He wants you to be restored just like he's going to restore Peter in this story. Now, here, let your eyes drop down to verse number 15. When they had finished eating, that's all the disciples, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Yo, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are the these? He's talking about the fish. Do you love me? Remember, he went back to fishing. He went back to what he loved the most before he met Jesus. And Jesus is asking, hey, do you love me more than these fish? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him. Remember, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? That's right, three times. And now Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter. He's asking him three times, do you really love me? He's allowing Peter 
to eliminate all that doubt from his mind. His failures, the way he didn't show up, the way that he had hoped that he would when the pressure was on. Jesus is canceling out all of those denials. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me twice? Yes. And now this third time, do you love me most? Third time, he says to Peter. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Why was he hurt? Because he's having an awkward conversation. He knows that he failed. He knows that he didn't show up at his best. And we all have this tendency when our, when our actions don't match how we really feel in our hearts, going back and having a conversation with that person, hey, going back and having a conversation with God, it can feel real awkward. And the enemy knows that. The enemy wants you to stay confused. He wants, to, he wants your mind to remain cloudy. He doesn't want you to have clarity that God loves you, that God wants to restore you. He wants to keep us isolated and divided. But Jesus is coming to Peter. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is coming to you, to me, to us. Jesus says, finally, feed my sheep. You know, Jesus is the great shepherd. And as a pastor, I serve as an under-shepherd. And, and notice, he said, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, that might seem like it's random. But what he's teaching us is, number one, with lamb, a lamb is a, a, a sheep that's under one year of age. So in other words, as a pastor, I'm caring for people who are coming to Jesus. And then also, right, take care of my sheep. That's somebody who has been following Jesus for more than one year, right? Feed my sheep. So as we're beginning our journey with Jesus, we need God's word. And as we continue our journey with Jesus, we need, we need God's, God's word. And I take this, listen, I love you. And, and being your spiritual coach, being your shepherd, and your guide, I take seriously. And so what I want to do in this space is, is I want to just set you up. How can you find clarity in a world that's gone crazy? How can we clear up all the cloudiness of this pandemic and the, the economic pressure and all of the tensions politically that divide us, we've got to, hang with me now, we've got to have an awkward conversation with Jesus. Now, why is it awkward? And, and how do we take this conversation and move it from being awkward to being a conversation that we anticipate every single day? Imagine waking up every day and saying, listen, I can't wait to hear what God has for me today. Here's the first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You gotta believe that Jesus wants to have a conversation with you. Like deep down inside of you, you gotta believe that like, I'm so important that the God of the universe is interested in me and he wants me to have a conversation with me today. He wrote me a love letter. The God of the universe wrote me a love letter. God's not mad at you. God's not angry with you. I, I don't care what you've ever heard before. Peter had failed miserably. He had denied Jesus. When the pressure was on, he walked away from Jesus rather than walking in and being courageous for Jesus. But Jesus wasn't turned off by that. Jesus came and met Peter right at his source of pain. And if that's true in Peter's life, it's just as true in our life. I don't care how much shame or hurt or loss, how many times you've turned or walked away from God, I want you right now to believe. Matter of fact, would you say that out loud with me? 
I believe. Say it. Come on now. I believe that Jesus wants to talk to me. I believe. I want you to say it now. Come on. I believe that Jesus wants to talk to me. That changes everything. If you wake up in the morning or before you go to sleep at night and you believe deep down in your core that God wants to talk to me, that will become motivation to have this awkward conversation to find clarity in a world that's gone crazy. Here's the second thing. I want you to write it down. Ready? Here we go. You have to want to, not have to. You have to want to have a conversation with God. You've got to wake up and say, I get to have a conversation with God. Hey, hey, listen. I don't have to have a conversation with Linda. I get to, and I enjoy it. Think about all the things in life that you enjoy. I love me some Sanibel Island. I don't have to go to Santa, Sanibel Island. I get to, right? I, I, I like to ride my bike and swim and, and, and run and lift weights, right? I don't have to do those things. There's something inside of me that I get to. So what is it that causes us to become hesitant, to think that we get to spend time with God in a conversation. Here, notice in your Bible, Matthew 22 and 37 on the screens. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the most important commandment. What's most important is our love of God. God says, love him most. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. Peter, do you love me or the fish? Do you love what you used to do, or do you love, do you love me most? And the problem is when the pressure gets on us at times, we have a tendency to lose our first love. I know we wake up saying, yes, I want to love Jesus. I want to love God. I want to make him first and most and best in my life. But then life happens. We, we, we have world pandemics. We have economic crises. We, we have, you know, worry about our kids and and our, our aging parents, and we can't go in and visit them in a nursing home, and our minds get all, all cloudy. We've got to come back to this place of our first love. Hear what Revelations 2 says. Jesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. These are some complimentary statements. He's saying, listen, I, I know that you haven't given up. I know that you're giving your best. I, I know that you're like really doing your best, but notice what he says. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. In other words, this group of people had, had moved from, I get to love Jesus. I get to love God. I get to be in this marriage. I get to have this job too. I have to. And when you begin to move from I get to to I have to, you lose your love. That's what's happening in Peter's life. There was a time when he was listening, I'm all in in following Jesus. I'll give my life for Jesus, right? When the skies were blue and everything was going Peter's way, he's all in. That's how we are, right? At 35,000 feet, it's like, listen, I love God. I love Jesus. When the economy's going just right and there's not a world pandemic and the kids are getting good grades and we're paying our bills and we're going on vacation and there's not all the division in our country, it's like, yes, I love Jesus. But when the pressure came on Peter, 
when they began to push in on him and his mind became clouded, it became confused, he denied Jesus. I wonder how many of us, we love Jesus at the treetops. I mean, we love Jesus at 35,000 feet, but on the runway of our life, when the pressure is on, when our marriage, when our kids, when the country, when things aren't going exactly how we want them to go, we have a tendency at that time to pull up and not love him as deeply. So how do we love him deeply? How do we keep that first love that we have for God? Right? How do we keep it like, like passionate? Here's how you do it. You make it personal. You got to bring it back to a place. Notice what Jesus said. He said, do you love me? Not about all the disciples. He says, do you love me? Three times. He was making it personal. Whatever it is in our life that we want to change, wherever and however you want to move from a have to to a I get to, the key, the secret sauce is make it personal. When it becomes personal to you, you get involved. When there's an issue, I think about World War II, United States didn't want to be involved at all and chose not to be involved in the Second World War. That's until Japan made it personal. When Pearl Harbor was attacked, it became personal, and the United States became involved. Now, in the racial division in our country, for a long time, many who look like me, we haven't made it personal. We thought, well, that's somebody else's issue. But the, the restoration, the hope, and the healing that's coming to our country now of racial division and racial reconciliation is a whole lot more people like me are making it personal. That we want to see justice for all. That we want to see every man and every woman and every boy and every girl, every person have the same possibility. They have the same potential to step out into every single day and realize that they can have their dreams fulfilled just like anybody else. You see, change happens when we make it personal. The key of moving from have to to get to is make it. You want to change your marriage. It's not about your spouse. It's about you making it more personal. You, you want to change your workplace. It's not about what the boss does. It's not about your, your coworkers. It's you. Anytime you make it personal, change begins to happen. Notice how God makes his word personal. This is not some random rules book. It's a personal book given to us. And when we make it personal, it changes our lives. See, rather than you thinking that I got to get up tomorrow and I got to read my Bible, kind of check the box off, a good Christian should have their devotions, read their Bible. No, no, no. This Bible, this book is personal. It sets you up for your very best life now. Here, check it out. Notice how personal it gets. John 1 and 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. Speaking about Jesus, God made it so personal that He came to the earth as a man. So he was tempted in every ways that we've been tempted in our humanity. That's making it personal. Listen to Jeremiah 15 and 16. When your words came, the prophet said, when your words came, he made it so personal, I ate them. <laughs> I, is there anything more personal than eating it? I ate your words. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. He's making it personal. God's word isn't something that we have to read, we have to obey. Don't get out of line because then God's going to crush you. No, God's word, when you make it personal, it makes your life better. Hebrews 4 and 12, 
For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts. Talk about personal. Gets right into the marrow, right into our DNA, our, 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 our cells. Joshua 1 and 8. Talking about how do you. You want this. You know that you do. You've got to make it personal. You've got to make God's word. If you want to find clarity in a world gone crazy, you've got to make a decision. God wants to talk to you. And you know that because he's written your book. Secondly, you've got to move from, I have to read this. Oh, goodness, okay. If I don't read it, God, God's not mad at you. Make it personal that God wants to speak to you. Listen to Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Moms and dads, I know you want your sons and daughters to be a success academically, athletically. Let me ask you, how much of God's word are you getting into their lives? Because here's, here's what the Bible says. You want your sons and daughters to be successful and prosperous. The Bible says it comes from a relationship with this book. Let me give you just one more verse. These verses are so good, so powerful, bringing clarity in a world that's gone so crazy. The hope that we have in Jesus is we have crystal clear clarity from his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. God's setting us up to win. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us and equip his people for every good work. God wants you to have good works. So here it is, redefining the problem. The problem is this. Peter had failed. Peter had denied Jesus. And so he pulled up. He went backwards. Rather than going forward in his relationship with God, he pulled up. And the confusion settled in on his mind. The way that we get the confusion turning into clarity is by you having an awkward conversation with Jesus. You got to believe that he wants to have it with you. You've got to jump into it that I want to, I get to have a conversation. Make it personal, right? This is how you bring clarity. But let me help you. This is really important. Number one is you got to have a plan. It's not going to just randomly happen. And you can read, you know, um, your, your Bible, um, however you might want to. You can look at you version. But for the next 30 days, we've got a plan. If you will right now text, we will send you this Bible reading plan. Uh, I, again, I'm thankful for our, our pastor in residence, Michael Parati. He put this plan together. Some of the most important Bible passages. And we're going to all start reading. Starting tomorrow morning, um, we're going to all start reading through this section of the Bible together. This plan will be a help um, to, to you. So you got to have a plan. you got to pick a place. What's the place and what's the time in your home where you're going to read through the Bible, right? So again, it's, it's a plan. It's, it's, it's a place. We've given you, we're giving you a plan. If you got your own plan, that's fine. But for those of us who are looking for a plan, this will be the plan that will help you. It will guide you along the way. We don't want to stay confused forever. Matter of fact, I don't want to stay confused for another second. I want God to bring clarity in my life. And I am telling you, the secret is you having 
as awkward as it might be, I know that maybe you're ashamed of something you did yesterday or you didn't show up the way that you, would, you thought you would show up in your first marriage or you didn't respond to somebody the way that you wanted to respond. You got a habit, you got a hang up, you got some kind of thing. I get it. The devil wants you to pull back. He wants the confusion to stay in your mind. Jesus is coming to you this morning. He wants to bring clarity, but it happens when you lean into this awkward space. See, when we begin to pour in God's word into our life, not all in one day, but a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow, the next day, right? Following Jesus isn't a a, a moment in time. It's a movement. The success of having the life that you've always hoped for, the clarity that you want to have in a world that's gone crazy, it happens moment by moment. Success doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. And as you pour God's word into your life, you begin to see the clarity. There will always be confusion around you. There will be pressures and problems. There will be sorrows and trials and tribulations. Jesus said as much. But what Jesus said is, he's overcome this world. What Jesus has said, when you pour Jesus into your life, the clarity that you're looking for, the hope that you want for, the peace that passes all understanding, it happens when you pour Jesus into your life. So the question this morning is this. What will you do? Will you stay isolated with that confusion because you're avoiding an awkward conversation with Jesus? Or will you step out and have that conversation?